0: Hello, my friends, welcome back to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast where we tease apart the challenges and nuances of parenting through the adolescent years. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and adolescent lead at Sproutable, where we celebrate not only the growth of children, but also the journey and evolution that we all get to go through as parents. This is a place where we keep it real. Real stories, real parenting. The teen years are real messy and there aren't many right answers. But the more we trust ourselves and trust our teens, the better the outcomes can be. The parenting we talk about over here is relationship-centered. You won't find a lot of talk about punishment, consequences, or rewards. What you will hear is a lot of encouragement about connection, curiosity, and life skill development. Our teens are on their own journey, and while we get to walk next to them for a bit, we don't get to walk for them. Their work is to learn from the tension of their life. Our work is to support them and love them along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, podcast listeners. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Damari Dickinson. Damari is an unschooling mom of four, a certified positive discipline parent educator, and a liberation partner. She provides specialized programs and coaching services that invite parents to identify their oppressive parenting practices while co creating spaces where they can discuss how to implement more liberatory, love centered practices that are focused on freedom, respect, and autonomy. Damari is also an educational consultant and serves on the board for the Alliance of Self-Directed Education. Hi, Damari. Welcome to the podcast. Yay, I made it. (laughs) We already decided that we love each other.
1: Yes, we do. We're BFFs
0: now. awesome. I'm so excited. So (laughs) I want to know more about you. I want to hear about who you are and how you have found yourself a voice for conscious parenting. What's your
1: story? Yay. Okay. First, let me just, I do disclaimers a lot. You heard that I'm a mama four. Three of those beautiful beings are actually in the house with me right now. I have told them I'm recording a podcast, <laughs> but you still might hear them in the background. How old are all those children of so yours? So my oldest is 21. She's off in her mm-hmm. senior year of college.
2: <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh!
1: And then I have 11 and 12 year old boys and a seven year old daughter. Right. So. Sometimes their sleep schedule is a little off, and they'll be sleeping during this part of today. Of course, the day that I have to record the podcast, they're like, "We're all awake. We're Woo! here. We're going
0: we party." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but they are the reason that I am on this journey, and I say it's a journey because I don't feel like I will have ever arrived at this. I'm done doing all my work. I am a conscious parent, or whatever you want to call it. But I started about six years ago because my youngest is seven, and. You know, I was showing up for my kids in a very harmful way. I used Mm -hmm. to beat my kids. I was yelling a lot. I just wasn't very respectful of Mm -hmm. their needs, their desires. And we had one incident with my boys. So they're 18 months apart and they're very, very close. So Mm -hmm. they have an amazing relationship. And one day I heard them fighting, like they were physically fighting in their room, which had never happened before. And I was triggered and I lost it. And I ran in there like, oh, you want to fight? We're going to fight. Let's do this. I went in there with my fist balled up and the look on my youngest son's face broke me. Mm. I've never seen him look so terrified in his life. And I knew in that moment, like, oh, this isn't right. (laughs) Mm. Like, I'm sure there were plenty of times before that I could have had that revelation. But I was like, I'm supposed to be his protector. Like, he shouldn't be looking at me like he's scared for his life. And so I knew that I wanted to do something different. I didn't know what it was. Right. So I started reading books and started taking all the classes and started doing all the workshops and the trainings. And I started to shift my parenting. But I also noticed like all the people that were talking to me about this were white mm-hmm. women. So I'm like, are there <laughs> any black folks? I'm like, is this not for black kids? Should I not be doing this? Like, Am yeah. I like getting some information that's like private or secret? So I decided like, this is amazing information, Mm -hmm. right? Being able to shift how you're showing up for your kids by doing some inner work on yourself. And I'm like, I wanted to be the voice, right? Mm -hmm. To say, hey, Black people are out here doing this too. Like Mm -hmm. our kids deserve this. And yes, we can do it. There are nuances and there are differences, which I never really felt that when I was, you know, in these spaces with a lot of the white conscious parenting coaches that I was just like, y'all don't really understand what this looks like for me. Right. I'm like, instead of trying to convince them, hey, you might want to consider, you know, being more inclusive, I can do this. I'm an educator by trade. I have this information. I love talking to the people. So, ta da, here I am. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's honest, right?
0: I had Yolanda on a couple of years ago, yeah. Yolanda Williams from Parenting Decolonized, and she told me something that I didn't know, which you know, was such an eye opener for me just around, you know, the history of how, you know, we all have our conditioning, right? Like I definitely have my conditioning and I come from a long line of controlling mothers who really go at it with their oldest daughter who tend to be daughters, you know, and now here I am with my oldest as a daughter and I've had to do my work. But what Yolanda pulled the curtain back for me was that all the cultural things, that come for Black families in their history around safety and making sure their kids were doing the right thing and doing whatever they could because it was life or death. So Absolutely. And then I was in a training with Natasha Nelson. Do you know Natasha Nelson? Love her. We were just talking about some of the activities that we do. We positive discipline parent educators. It's a lot of experiential activities. And she's like, you know what? I have to tweak the role All plays, of them. right? Because of them. <laughs> the language, I mean, they're even stiff for us white folks. Like they're yeah. kind of stiff and kind of wordy, but even more so when... They
1: <laughs> <you're- laughs> haven't been updated since 1975. <laughs> right, so, right, yes. right, right,
0: right. <laughs> so anyway, I just always appreciate talking to people who are really serving different communities than I am and highlighting things that I don't even realize are a thing. So yeah. yeah. And everybody, you need to be following Damari on Instagram because you got the real game down and (laughs) you're highly entertaining and offering such important information as well. And I have to say, so I was probably five years into my positive discipline work, both (laughs) teaching it as well as like really working to implement it and had a situation I'm thinking about, your son looking at you in fear, had a situation on the stairs with my daughter who was probably nine. And it was just one of those moments where I just had had it. I was done. And this kid needed to know who was actually in charge. And I mean, I must've been two inches away from her face, not yelling, but the yelling voice. Mm -hmm. And I saw like the break. I saw her eyes And I realized, oh, and I mean, my whole body was shaking. She went into her room. I went into my room, self-regulated for as long as it took, went in to own my behavior with her. And she like curled up into my arms. And this is not a kid that likes a lot of affection, even though I'm like, let me hold you. (laughs) She let me hold her. And actually, the repair that happened after that horrible incident brought us closer than we had been even before the incident. So that was, I think I wrote a whole blog post about it. That was really powerful. That was really, really powerful. And the reason I share that story is even I am, as somebody who's been practicing and teaching for 15 years, this work, it's still a daily choice, a daily choosing in to not give in to that gut shoot from the hip pull and to really instead be present and lean towards connection and compassion and curiosity. And you did this whole post about it, caught my attention and I was like, okay, I wanna talk about this. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals, and unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: So a lot of the people, yeah, and I'm guessing your clients too, you attract people who are like, okay, I'm seeing you, I'm watching you, I want to do this, and it's really hard.
1: Yeah. And I don't really know what this is. Right, right. right. I want to do something different. But like, where do I start? How does this work?
0: Right, 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 right. And I either have people that are, you know, have done some positive discipline or positive parenting, the big umbrella, right, whatever that means. (laughs) And it's been, you know, useful in the early years elementary and then adolescence hits and they're like, what the fuck does this look like with a teenager? (laughs) You know, even I, when my daughter got into ninth grade and things started going really sideways, I was like, oh, my God, have I been duped? Like, is this a thing that can really be useful? Yeah. So there's those people who are like, ah, how do I do this in this context? And then there's people who it's the teen years and like the whole behaviorist model has, you know, quote, worked for them. And now they have teenagers who are like, you know, yeah. flipping them the bird and saying like, <laughs> Nope not interested in your bribes, not interested in your punishments, doesn't matter to me. So there's that. So we're going to talk about you have four tips that you share in your work around the transition into being a more conscious parent. So but I guess before we start talking about them, like, what does it mean to you being a conscious parent? What does that mean to you? I know million dollar Your podcast
1: listeners can't see me rolling my <laughs> eyes. just because I don't I find myself not even wanting to use that term anymore mm-hmm. because co-opted. So what's the term? What's a better term? I don't even like labels, right? I don't okay. because you'll label something and then people will have an association with that based on that label, which might not even be true. So I'd like to think about it just as people who are doing this work to break these toxic parenting patterns okay. and really prioritize and center love, liberation, joy, mutual respect, and collaboration. Great. right? So it's that shifting. And for me, that conscious part that comes with it is really doing the work on ourselves and not coming from a place of trying to fix our kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's one of the biggest differences that I see between these different parenting camps is like conscious parenting is the one that's like, It's you, parent, that Mm -hmm. needs to work. It's not about your kids, where I feel like a lot of the other ones are still, what's a nice way to control my kid? Right. What's a nice way to manipulate my kid? Like, I can do it with a nice voice and I'm kind, but it's still, like, not building collaboration in a respectful way.
0: Right. How can I deliver a consequence with a smile on my face?
1: (laughs) Right. Right? It's like, you're missing
0: the boat. Missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, in that context, I think we're totally aligned. So I'm excited. I also talk about centering the relationship that we have with our kids as a place where, you know, if we're going to have any influence, I mean, control has left the building. Influence is a real thing. And we can nurture and build our influence based on the relationship that we can develop with our kids. And I think everything you said liberation and joy and mutual respect. Those are all things that all of us want in a healthy relationship. And when we have those things in a relationship, that person that we're in relationship with, you know, we want to do things for them. We want to be cooperative. We want to appreciate them just because of the nature of the relationship. So I love that. So your first tip around making this transition is unpacking your bags. What does that mean to you?
1: So that's really what I was saying about like looking within Mm -hmm. to really figure out like what's happening within me. Right. So taking the time to identify your triggers and saying this behavior really triggers me, but not just stopping there and saying like, so why is that? Like what is coming up for me about this behavior that's making it so hard for me to not yell at my kid when it comes up? Mm -hmm. Right. What is the story that I'm telling myself about this behavior that I'm believing that so many times it's like because of something that happened to us when we were younger or how our parents responded to us when we behave that way. But we're holding on to that story. A lot of times we don't take the time to really unpack that, Mm -hmm. to really think like what is happening and like how can I start to shift that? How can I start to tell myself a different story and think like, well, what else might be true? I'm thinking this is so bad and my kids just trying to push my buttons or they're trying to manipulate me or they're trying to prove that whatever negative things we're thinking, but taking the time to say like, okay, this is a lot of my stuff because of whatever it is and what else might be true Mm -hmm. and keeping that relationship in mind, right? And saying, I want to think about this situation, this trigger, the child that's in front of me in a way that's going to be helpful to our relationship and not harmful.
0: Yes, helpful and not harmful. You know, and that's ongoing, right? Like I was journaling this morning about a situation with my partner. And I was in the question of, am I super rigid and inflexible? And what's the wound that keeps getting poked when this particular situation keeps coming up? So I love that you talk about this. And if anyone's listening, thinking like, I don't have bags to unpack, it's so obvious, especially with things like, you know how there's people who are like, I'm fine with them not cleaning their room. Like, it's their domain. And then other people, hello, me. I'm working on it. (laughs) It's like a personal a front. I'm like the worst insult you can give me. Like, why would you not want to clean your room? I do not understand. Right. I mean, I've worked. I'm not that crazy about it anymore. You work through it. I work through right. It. I mean, all of us. There are certain things that drive us mad, and we have friends who are like, that is not a big deal to me. What's a big deal to me is this thing. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's do yourself a favor in life, really, and start being in that curious place around what is it about this thing. Not what is it about this kid, right?
1: And also being very clear that I'm not saying like, we're asking our kids these questions. Like, why are you doing this to me? No, no, no. These are (laughs) self-reflection questions. Why am I feeling this way? Why is this coming up to me? Why am I getting so upset every time this happens? Right. We're asking ourselves these questions. (laughs) Yes. And so I
0: know for me, there was a lot of like, control and inconsistent responses that I was raised with. Like I never was really sure what was going to be met with like a shrug and a smile or even a laugh versus a look or worst case scenario, you know, some pretty severe yelling, hurt, hurt, hurtful language also coupled with like all of my clothes coming out of my drawers and being piled in the middle of my room. Like There was some really intense moments and it was so interesting. Once I had two kids, right? It didn't really show up until I had two kids and the overwhelm got to a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. How pulled towards that behavior I was, you know, in my worst moments. And I was like, oh, I had so much more compassion for my parent because I was thinking to myself, I'm aware that this is happening. Like I'm connecting the dots and making a decision about, should I just fucking give it to her right now? Because I kind of want to. Or am I going to do it differently? Right? Yeah.
1: And sometimes I still choose to give
0: it to her because oh, that's what I'm feeling. God, damn it. I gave it to him over text <laughs> message about the dishes this morning, which is a much safer than me in real life. But do you mind me asking, like, what's some of the unpacking that you've done? What's come up for you as far as triggers?
1: Oh, Yeah. All of them. But it's so funny because I literally was just talking to Yolanda yesterday. We were on a call and talking about like how after six years, like I finally have gotten to the point where I still get triggered. But my first response isn't violence. Mm-hmm. And It took me six years mm-hmm. to get to this point. One of my biggest triggers that I think took me the longest to work through was lying. Yes. And I have one who used to lie all the time Mm -hmm. about things. I was like, this is so little. And I used to be so offended. And I realized the story that I was telling myself is that I'm not worthy of the truth, Mm -hmm. right? And then I put all these adult behaviors on him. And this was since he was like four years old, right? And I remembered all the other people in my life who lied to me, Mm -hmm. particularly their dad, right? Mm -hmm. And how much it hurt me. And every time he would lie in my face, I'd feel that same hurt all over Mm -hmm. again. And so I had to work through that and really say, well, what else might be true? I think the truth is because of the way that I used to show up, he didn't feel safe telling me the truth because I wasn't a safe person.
0: Yeah.
1: I was yelling and hitting him. And even when I stopped hitting, I was still not a safe person. Mm -hmm. So I had to, in those moments, learn to tell myself like, this is another chance for you to practice being safe, Mm -hmm. for you to practice Mm -hmm. being trustworthy. And it was hard. It was so like, When I say years, you know, and there were kind of levels where I saw that it was working. So I would ask him a question. And for a lot of time, he would just stop and stare at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hello, I know you hear me. Like, I'm right in your face. Then he was starting to tell me like, okay, I'll tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. Then he started volunteering the truth before I even know like, hey, Mm -hmm. I don't really know how this happened, but I was in your room and I knocked the painting off the wall. I Mm -hmm. just want to let you know. Like, that's where we are now. And now he's like, I did this, and he can start to speak to how he plans to repair it. This is years of work, yeah. right? Like four or five years it took us to get to this point, but it's such a different relationship, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now I know that you trust me, and none of this stuff is really a big deal in the grand scheme of things, yeah. right? So he's sensory seeking. So he moves a lot, and you know he's 12 years old, so he's big. He breaks a lot of things, <laughs>
0: don't know how big their bodies are they're like no he
1: doesn't and he's not very aware all the time Mm -hmm. like spatial awareness isn't his jam so things break all the time and i used to make a big deal out of it and try to understand and try and i'm like he just he's not doing it intentionally he just doesn't and so i don't have to blow up i don't even have to have a long conversation about how you need to move differently and why you have to do this it's just accepting that that's what it is and saying all right is this something that i can afford to pay for right now to fix it Or are we just going out without a TV for a little bit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But I think that idea of what you were saying, like centering the relationship has helped so much. And it's so funny because the past couple of days he's been coming into my room, just giving me a hug. And I'm like, Mm. I love this. Like my almost teenage son is like volunteering hugs every day. And he says, I just want to remind you that I'm not going to be that stereotypical teenage kid. I just want to make sure that you know that. Right. I was like, fingers crossed. I'm still going to love you if you are. <laughs> yeah. I promise I will. But I'm hoping. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm hoping the hugs keep coming, but I'll be ready for that because, you know, developmentally, some things are going to start to shift, have already started to shift in your body yeah. that might cause you to show up in some different ways. But guess what? We're going to work through it.
0: Well, and what I love about your story, too, and talking about the years, right, is, you know, sometimes we want a really quick return. I think, as humans, as adults. And like we've already had X amount of years giving evidence of who we are with our kids. And so Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're working into a new model, a new way of being with your family, there's got to be a lot of new evidence that you're going to follow through and do what you say, right? And I think all of us yeah. have that classic experience of waking up in the morning and being like, today I won't yell. <laughs> 5
1: minutes
2: later. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so we get to be, you know, we get to have, which leads us to the next tip. We get to have love and grace for yeah. ourselves as we move into a new way of being, and we get to also, I think, you know, cuz a lot of the parents that I work with, moms in particular, They sit in the question of, is this working? And I think that's a short-sighted question because it's more about like, is my relationship shifting, right? And is this helpful? Um, Is the way that I'm being helpful to my child, to myself, to the relationship? So talk a little bit about love and grace and your tip around having love and grace.
1: Yeah, you hit that. It's just really, really important to recognize that when we're trying new things, it's hard, This shit is not easy. And if it was then we would have been doing it from the beginning. Right. And so I like to ask parents, like, what if, like how you mentioned the time, what if it took the same amount of time that you were causing harm? What if it took that same amount of time to undo that? Mm -hmm. So if you've been parenting this way for four years, what if it took at least another four years for your kid to be like, okay, now I believe you, Mm -hmm. like, would it be worth it? Right. And as you're going through, knowing that you're going to screw it up along the way but to have grace for yourself. And even when you aren't screwing it up, your kids might not respond in a way that you want them to respond, but to still offer them grace, right? So it's not just about us holding space for ourselves to mess up, but for our kids to be on this journey with us and to show up the, as best they can in all of these moments and to know like, okay, we're gonna do this and it might look like a hot trash mess right now, but we're moving through it, right? Yeah. I always talk about like, there's levels. So when I committed to stop hitting my kids, I was still yelling a lot. And then when they helped me realize like, okay, you're still causing a lot of harm because you're yelling all the time and we mm-hmm. don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Then I started just being really sarcastic the look? okay, and like with the things, the look was always there. I use it as a teacher too. <laughs> then I was just still saying things that, for example, my son that I was just talking about, I'm like, okay, walk when you're inside, walk inside. Always running around and then he'd fall. And I would be like, That's why you need to walk. I told, and I'm like, That's not really leading with love, right? Mm -hmm. That's not love. So I had to shift that language from that's what you get basically to are you okay? Yeah. Right? Like, there's such a huge, like, which one communicates love? That's what you get or are you okay? Yeah. So having that lens for me to be like, even when I'm not getting this. You know, I'm not showing up in the way that I want to. Like, Can I still let love lead? Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of times when I would get stuck and I didn't know what to say in a situation or I didn't know what to do, that's when I have to pull that, Like, let me just give you a hug. Because I don't know the right thing to say in this moment, but I know that I can just hug you and show you that I love you and then be like, we're going to have to come back and revisit this because I have to go think about this. I don't really know what to do or what to say. But that idea of Showing up in a loving way and holding space for grace for me and my kids has helped and continues to help because I have to do it every single day. Something yeah. happens, like it's okay, whether for me or for them. Most of the time, it's for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and
0: I'm thinking about our teenagers and meaning like the teenagers of the world and how, you know, and brain development and making mistakes as they do and getting into mischief and all the things that can show up during adolescent years. And what a gift for parents to move from, you know, what were you thinking into, are you okay? Like, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a a back pocket thing, like keep it in your back pocket. And they come home, I got in trouble, this happened. I'm so pissed, I'm so this, are you okay? Or tell me more, that's my go-to. I have no idea what to say to this, so tell me more. As yeah. neutral, right? As neutral and yeah. non-judgmental as I can be. And something else that you mentioned too, like we, parents, love us. It's so easy to be the victim in the stories of our children, right? Like as if they're doing things to make us crazy, to you know, get under our skin to push our buttons, even our, you know, I'm talking about teenagers. And that's like, like, we're so we think we're so important. Right? Like, we are not that important. I mean, we are, of course, important to our kids. But like, (laughs) we are not at the top of the list of like, what can I do today? No, you know, and so
1: I'm off like, no, (laughs)
0: yeah. So again, love that. Love that. So third tip that you talk about is getting comfortable asking why. Tell us more about why.
1: This goes to what you were just saying, right? And it's not, again, I always have to say this because somebody's going to say, well, Jamar, you told me to ask my kids why they're... I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. Thank you. Right? But for us, as we're processing, like, why might my child do this? So like you mentioned, they come home from school and they got in trouble. Like, why might that have happened, right? And Mm -hmm. to ask questions, to get curious, just to get more information because I find a lot of times we're so quick to judge. And to think that we understand our kids motives, or, you know, the logic behind what they're doing, most of the time, there really isn't any logic, right? Because that's their brains aren't developed that way yet. Right. Or it's logic that
0: makes sense to them.
1: In that moment. And then a lot of times parents, like once the kids experience it, they realize that didn't make sense, right? My 12-year-old now will do things and immediately be like, that wasn't a good decision. Yeah, I don't have to tell him that. Like, he's experimenting and he's trying it. But I find it just helps me to understand, like, how do I deal with this situation? Because a lot of times I'm trying to figure out what support do you need, Mm -hmm. right? Like, how can I help you? If this situation were to happen again, how can I help you navigate it differently if what you did this time didn't work out? Yeah, But I have to know, like, what you were thinking to be like, oh, okay, so here's why. That might not have worked out for you. Mm -hmm. Here's something you might want to try next time. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's really about being curious and curiosity.
1: Yep. And just being comfortable with that. And with that comes being comfortable with having conversations with your kids. So many of my clients freak out when they ask me, so like, what should I do? I'm like, well, you talk to your kid. They're like, wait, what? Go to the source. That's what I say. Go to to the source. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You want me to talk to them? And I'm like, yep. I do, which can be terrifying, especially if you are a parent who's been used to feeling like you have to have all the answers and you have to say the right thing. Like that isn't a direct impact of colonization, right? And like white supremacy culture makes us feel like there's one right way to do these Mm -hmm. and it's the white way, right? Mm -hmm. So to be able to release that and say like, I can go talk to my kid, not having all the answers planned out ahead of time and really working with them. So like collaborating to figure out how we're going to work through this it doesn't just have to be me as the keeper of all knowledge the holder of all the right answers this is we can figure this out together yeah
0: thank god right yeah, like it's I'm, so, much easier, it's so much easier that way so much easier that way
2: Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.
0: You know, I've had so many conversations with clients where they're really in the struggle of not understanding their kids. And I'm like, have you gone and asked them what it is that they want? Like, what are they moving towards? What's important to them? And I just made some notes while you were talking, like, and I wrote being comfortable with not knowing. Like,
1: That's huge
0: work, like being okay with the idea that you don't have the answers.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people have like in the school wounds that Mm. prevent them from really being okay with that. Because like, if you've been schooled, especially if you're like me and you've been Part of your identity is wrapped in being good at school, Mm -hmm. right? That comes with- Oh, I
0: love a gold star, Damari.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like (laughs) to get that gold star, you have to be the first one with the right answer. And so that carries over into how we think about our role as parents. Yeah. So that's another layer of work to really unpack and say like, I can still be a good parent without having the right answers all the time.
0: Yeah. And I love also inside of this tip around curiosity and finding the why is also letting go of assumptions, right? Yeah. Letting go of the idea that, you know, well, I know how my kid feels. I know what it is that they want. I know what they're trying to get and letting go of that and sitting inside of, well, maybe I don't.
1: Right. right? What if what I'm thinking is wrong? Right. The best way to find out is for me to ask. Mm,
0: so good. Okay. Final tip here we are. (laughs) Feel your feelings. I think all of us,
2: yes. And all (laughs) of us
0: in the helping community, I think we encourage our clients to do this. And to be honest, sometimes I really can get there in my own practice. And other times it can feel really elusive. Like, Why do I tell people to do this? I don't even really know what I'm doing trying to do this for myself. So, for you, in the context that you bring it to your clients and into your own personal work, what does feel your feelings look,
1: sound, what is it like? It looks and sounds like it's okay for me to not like how I'm showing up right now. It's okay for me to feel like my kid is not my favorite person to be around right now. It's okay for me to be sad, to be upset. To be happy, right? To feel joy. All of these feelings, a lot of times we shame ourselves, especially when we're doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. For having feelings that have been labeled as bad, right? Or feelings that have been labeled as unacceptable. Like, I'm not supposed to be upset at my child. Who told you that lie? Mm -mm -mm. Like, there's nothing wrong with being upset. It's how you show up in that upset, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you able to be upset and not cause harm in that moment? What might that look like? Yeah, that's a big
0: one too, right? Because I see in some of the communities online that I just kind of like, I'm like quietly in the back, (laughs) quietly in the back observing. It Mm -hmm. it breaks my heart really when I hear parents think that to, you know, now I'm super aware of labels. (laughs) So to be this different kind of connected, aware Parents.
1: You can say to be a positive parent, gentle parent. Yeah, I know, parent, I know.
0: But I mean, for me, it's positive discipline. That's my foundation. Yeah. That's what I teach to be mm-hmm. this way. But really, I see it more with when it's a more general phrase like positive parenting or even gentle parenting. It's like almost sticky sweet, and I'm like, you guys, we get to still be human. We yeah. get to still be human. It's okay to be pissed. And like you said, it's what you do with it, right? That is the work.
1: I think the reason for me why I think that is so harmful and why I just, part of the reason I'm against the labels, because as soon as you say gentle parenting, like, oh, so I can't ever, nobody's yeah. saying that. Yeah. But it's because not only is it harmful for the parents, like they're not able to be their whole human self, but they also aren't able to accept their kids when they have those same emotions that they're shaming themselves for having. mm. So now I don't want my child to cry when they're upset. I don't want my child to be angry when they can't have these things. And I'm like, that's because you won't allow yourself to do that either. Yeah. And in my opinion, neither is healthy. Right. Well,
0: and in the feel your feelings context, too, is something that I captured as you were talking was that I appreciate is just being in acceptance of how you feel in the moment. Right. Like. Acceptance to me is so, I mean, so many of us could have ditched so much therapy if (laughs) acceptance was an experience that we had in our families of origin, right? Like true unconditional acceptance, I think, is such a basic human need to thrive and to show up as the best versions of ourselves. And so, hearing you talk about feeling what's coming up for us and also, that love and compassion tip too, like to me, that's really about being in acceptance of our own journey while also holding space and creating an environment where our kids are accepted that too, even when the painting falls off the wall or they're fighting with each other. Even when they got suspended from school, yeah. right? Like
1: even when they're going out with their friends and their friends start drinking and they do too, like even when. Yeah. Yeah. Even when it's still like, so these are my feelings, right? And also like, how are you feeling? And so like that acceptance piece, but also being willing to ask, what can I learn from these feelings? Yes. Right. So I know that I made this decision and now I feel terrible about it. You know, I should not have done these things with my friends. I feel bad about it. Okay, so I learned that this decision did not feel good to me. Mm-hmm. So next time, what can I do differently? Mm-hmm. I always like to bring it back to like, is there a way to learn from this? And mm-hmm. I never assume that just because I have a conversation with my child about something that that situation won't happen again. Right. I'm like, so next time when this happens, right. Cause it's going to happen again. Right. Yeah. Y'all brains aren't developed yet. Okay. You're 14, <laughs> 15, 16. Like it's going to happen again. So next time when this happens, when your friend wants to fight, what are you going to do next time? Like, how are you going to be comfortable yes, pulling back from the situation. And I tell my folks a lot of times. So another feeling that I think we're conditioned to not accept is fear. Mm -hmm. Right. And when people are like, I don't have any fear and I'm never afraid, I'm fearless. And I'm like, who are you robot person? (laughs) Because I have fears all the time, but it's like, what can I learn from this? How can Mm -hmm. I move through this and not parent from a place of fear, but not ignoring it? Mm -hmm. So what needs to happen if I don't want to give my kid a car because I'm worried that they're going to go out and they're going to be drinking and driving. Mm -hmm. Very valid fear. Sure. Right. Yeah. And what can I do? So how can I talk to my child about what should they do if they are driving and they go out and they decide to drink? Mm. If we haven't talked through that, how would they think like, oh, I can just say, text my mom and she'll send me money for an Uber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And come get the car. We'll come get the car in the morning. We have a plan that. Yeah. So this is my fear. I'm feeling it. And I'm saying, so are there ways that I can plan around this? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Right. But I want to prepare my kids for something that I'm afraid of. That is a very real possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to make you avoid these situations and say, no, you can't ever ride with your friends or you can't ever drive. Yeah. But how do we prepare for it?
0: Well, and that's like, they just go underground anyway, like I did in high school. They'll
1: get real sneaky and they'll figure out how to do it without you knowing.
0: That's right. (laughs) That's right. And this is so useful and just such powerful conversation that we're having. I'm really appreciative of it. And if you're listening and you're getting excited about this conversation, know that Damari and I both were in the work of supporting parents. So can you talk a little bit about how you work with people?
1: Yeah, so I do one on one coaching with parents who are on this transition, and it is very individualized. So it's not like a course that I created, and we just walk through it together. But it is you talking about your traumas, your triggers, what's coming up for you, having these really clear goals about your relationships for your kids, Hmm. and really figuring out like, how can we start to shift your thoughts, your words and your actions to make sure that you're making progress towards those goals. I have classes on a monthly basis. And then I also have a membership program with Yolanda Williams from Parenting to Colonize. That space is more for people who are also doing like racial justice work. Mm -hmm. So how do I really identify these systems of oppression that are showing up and how I'm interacting with my kids, myself, my community, Mm -hmm. and actively take steps to divest from that? Mm. Because people like to think that parenting is not political, but it is. Oh,
0: yeah, it sure is. Where can people find you and follow your work? What's your website and all that good stuff?
1: My website is DamariDickinson.com. I'm not fancy, y'all. I'm not creative, right? So it's just me. DamariDickinson.com on Instagram. It's Damari Dickinson. Um, I am it's okay. on my way say out it. of social media. I'm on my way out. Yeah. Right? So I love Facebook. So my Facebook page, I don't even need to say it because it's literally just everything that I post to Instagram yeah. is posted there. Yep. <laughs> it's for people yep. who were following me there before. By this time next year, you probably will not be able to find me on social media at all. Because-
0: OK, well, then the links to your website will be in the show notes as well as your Instagram. So get on it for now, because it's yeah, way to I'm create on- a sense of urgency.
1: <laughs> I mean, I just it's not something that I enjoy. Yeah. It, it looks like you that- enjoy
0: it. God, you're having a good time on
1: Instagram. I, so the way that I do it, I enjoy it. And it's not you won't see me posting three times a day. Oh, and no. not, I, do yeah. I don't do all that. So I show up when I feel like it. I think I've got one brewing inside of me for today. (laughs) All
0: right, I'll be watching. So the last question I always ask my guests is what does joyful courage mean to you?
1: Mm, That's a good question. And it's for me in this context today, for what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. it's really like being purposeful about pursuing joy as you're building relationships with your children.
2: Mm. So it's
1: easy, I think, to focus on you know, like, oh my gosh, once they're a teenager, they're going to do. And I've never subscribed to that. So being able to say like, I am going to intentionally like find the joy as I'm growing through this phase with my child. And I think that takes courage because a lot of people in the world don't want to look at teenagers as a source of joy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I'm here to say I have one who's 21 and one who's getting ready to enter this teenage phase and It has been joyous for Mm -hmm. me, not every day, not all the time, but we still have amazing relationships that I know my daughter told me yesterday (laughs) that something happened. And I think I might post about this on Instagram, but she went to go visit her boyfriend in North Carolina. She's in Virginia. And she texted me to tell me that she was going down there. And I was like, when I was in college, I never told my dad where I was going, what I was doing, what? And so I you know, I asked for their consent to share their stories on Instagram. And she's like, yeah, but what are you going to say? And I was like, I'm going to say that if I hadn't started doing this work, I know there's no way that you would have texted me this. And mm-hmm. she was like, you're right. I was like, you wouldn't even want to be around me. She was like, you're right. Because she remembers, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. she got it for the longest. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I wouldn't even want to come home on holidays if you were still parenting the way that you were before.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm like, I know I'm glad that I did this. And I truly believe that. The way that I shifted also helped us find that joy as she moved through her teenage years because Mm -hmm. we were able to start collaborating. And we did focus more on our relationship and love and respect and all those good things. things.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love you. You are awesome. (laughs) Thank you for spending time with me. I'm so glad that you were here.
1: This was amazing. And I don't know, but we're connected now, so oh, we're yeah. friends. We're being a DMs like Casey. What are we doing again? We gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Yay! All right. Thank you again for listening in to another show. Please check the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode if you liked what you heard today will you do me a favor and share it screenshot the show plaster it all over your socials so that other parents know that we are creating value over here for them if you really want to earn a gold star head to apple podcasts and leave us a review this does so much for the show for the exposure it's a great way to give back Thank you to my team at Sproutable for all your support. Alana, Julieta, I love you so much. Thank you to Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for keeping the show sounding so good. And you, listener, thank you for continuing to show up. This is hard work that we're doing. I encourage you in this moment, in this moment, together, let's take a deep breath in. And follow that into your body. Hold it for a moment. Exhale. And with that exhale, release the tension. And I invite you to trust. Trust that everything is going to be okay. I'm so happy to support you. So glad to have spent time with you today. I'll see you next week.
2: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust.